the Bible Study Podcast, episode 306. Today, the Bible Study Podcast continues the study of 1 Timothy with chapter 3. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. We continue with chapter 3 of 1 Timothy today. And what we get in chapter 3 are instructions for overseers and deacons. And these are people who are supposed to be leaders in the church. But I think when we read these verses, I want you to think of them as a template for Christian maturity. Because that's what Paul is looking for. When he's looking for leaders, he's looking for people who are maturing in their faith. Here's a trustworthy saying. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble task. Now an overseer is to be above reproach, faithful to his wife, temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect." If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders, so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons are to be worthy of respect, sincere, not indulging in much wine, and not pursuing dishonest gain. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. They must first be tested, and then, if there is nothing against them, let them serve as deacons. In the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy in everything. A deacon must be faithful to his wife and must manage his children and his household well. Those who have served well gain an excellent standing and great assurance in their faith in Christ Jesus. So again, as I say, let us treat these verses as models for Christian maturity. But when we look at these verses, the reason why Paul is looking for mature Christians, people who are ready to take on roles of leadership, is, of course, he is often moving from place to place. And Timothy, for instance, may be sent someplace else. So he's looking to raise up people from within the church to lead the church. And in your church, these may be members of the church council, they may be deacons, they may be elders, they may be members of the presbytery. It depends on what you call them, but he's looking for people who will manage the church and who will provide leadership. But when we say provide leadership, we don't mean go to meetings every you know second Tuesday or something like that and make decisions. We mean provide leadership by the way they live as well as by the decisions they make. And that's one of the reasons why he's looking for people who are mature. And so he gives us this model. So he says an overseer, and this overseer is a higher position than a deacon. Think back in Acts when they are having dispute between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Jews from Judea about the food that is getting distributed. The apostles say it isn't right for us to take time away from teaching to wait on tables. And so why don't we raise up seven people who can handle this responsibility? And so a deacon's job is often a doing sort of responsibility, while an elder's job or an overseer in this case is often a decision-making, you know, what should we do about this? In our case, it's often what should we do about the budget and what should we do about the, what is the mission of the church and the call and things like that. And they may also be teachers. But he says, 
first of all, an overseer is to be above reproach. And what he's saying here is when we're looking for people who are leaders, they have to lead. They have to be people that we look at and we say, ah, that's what a Christian is. Now, we are all called to be like that. But some of us are further along than others. For instance, he'll tell us later on, let's not find somebody who's a new convert. Let's find somebody who they have their roots. Let's not get somebody all worked up about how special they are when they just became a Christian, because that could be to their detriment, as the devil got so worked up about how great he was. And that's why he ties that in there. But he says, let's look for people who are above reproach, that everybody looks at them and says, ah, that's what a Christian is like. And then he says, faithful to his wife. And that is, again, as we said last week, one of the things that seems to us to be the least controversial thing in a paragraph of uncontroversial things. And yet at the time, remember again that the society that he's writing this into, where it's common and a thought to be normal for a man to have a wife, a mistress, and then to go down and have sex with a temple prostitute as part of his normal worship. That is what the society was like. And so the reason why this seems to us to be normal is that as Christianity swept through the Roman Empire and the things that followed the Roman Empire, it changed it. And one of the ways it changed it is Even if people didn't live up to this standard, they understood that this was the standard, that being faithful to his wife was one of the marks of maturity and one of the expectations of God. And so this is a radical statement that changes the position of women within that society. And it changes in a way that doesn't seem like a change at all to us because we're living on the other side of that change. Temperate, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable. Temperate. And temper is an interesting word because we temper steel, right? We temper steel by putting it under stress to make it stronger. And temperate is someone, I think, who has been through some stress, who has been through some hard times, who has had their faith tested and has come out on the other side mature, who has come out on the other side not flying off the handle, not overindulging in some things. We temperance movement meant people who weren't drinking. Now he deals with that later on, but temperate meaning balance might be another good word for that. Self-controlled, very similar terms. So how can they manage the church if they can't manage themselves? If they can't manage their anger, if they can't manage their lusts, if they can't manage their finances, if they can't manage, I mean, there's a lot of things that are going into there. And obviously family is the other thing that Paul pulls out. If they can't manage their own family, how can we expect them to manage the church? But he starts with, they have to be self-controlled. They have to manage themselves. I know my wife talks about a teacher that she had in high school who would fly off the handle and scream at the kids for the slightest provocation. And she said she immediately lost she immediately lost respect for him because he couldn't even manage himself and then he wasn't able to manage his class. Respectable, that seems very reasonable. And what that means is you can respect them, right? Respect able, that you can picture them in authority and it's something that seems right. It's something that seems normal. I am certainly capable of giving respect to this person because This is the way they live their life, in a way that is open, that people can see that they mean this faith. And and think about this. We sometimes may be influenced by what we see. And I've been in churches where I know that there were people on church council who 
probably were on church council because they thought of it as a position where they could get respect. They thought of it as a position of power, as a position where they could make sure that they got what they wanted. That's not what we're talking about here. And put this in the perspective of the time. This is a church under persecution. Who do you think is more likely to be persecuted? Someone who is stepping up to this leadership position is putting a target on themselves. They are making themselves more vulnerable to persecution. And so this is somebody who believes what they say they believe. That's a pretty good start for people in authority, is people who get it, people who understand what the mission and role and call of the church are. We should think about that as both a sign of maturity and people we want to look to lead the church. Hospitable. Now, that's an interesting one on there, because we sometimes think of hospitable as being, I want to say, a lesser gift. Now, my parents have a great gift of hospitality. And so I recognize that as a gift from God, and I recognize what a valuable place it can hold in the church. I grew up miles away, thousand miles away from my family or from my parents' family. My father was from Colorado, my mother from Wisconsin, and I grew up in California. And so for us, family was often the members of the church. And so it was quite common that if there's a special holiday, that there is someone sitting around our table who we are not related to. There are friends that we made through the church who became our family. And if you were new in the church, you probably met my parents. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had you over to dinner. They are very hospitable people. Well, what's the role of hospitality in the church? I'm reading through the law, the Levitical law at this time. I'm reading through numbers right now. And it's interesting how much hospitality is emphasized as the kindness to strangers because you yourselves once wandered. And the church, I think, a church that is hospitable is a church that can grow because it can welcome people. And so it's interesting to see here that hospitality is one of those things that he is elevating to something very important, not something that is just left for the lovely ladies of the guild. But hospitality is something he is looking for in leaders, people who know that this is not their church, this is Christ's church, and that Christ welcomes more than just the people like them, that welcomes more than just the people they know, that welcomes more than just their friends. We are called, all of us, to be hospitable. One of the nice things about this is this is something that's very easy to think about how to practice. If you go to church on Sundays, and you should, when your church service ends, look around and see who don't know next Sunday and introduce yourself. Find the person who has come who doesn't know anybody else. We went to a church once for a month, and the only people we met were the people who were visiting. That is a church that is cold and inhospitable. We are not called to be that. Able to teach. Well, we're looking for people as we're looking for leaders who understand and are willing to and are eager to pass along what they know about the gospel. Not given to drunkenness, not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. And all of those things. We're looking for people who can settle conflicts, not create them. And not a lover of money. Remember, Jesus talks about the issue of money more than anything else, and you can't serve two masters. And he's saying here, we're looking for people who are servants of God, not people who are servants of money. You can't do both. He can manage his own family in a manner worthy of respect. Do you know the people that you watch them with their kids and you think, 
Those kids are blessed to have parents like that. Those kids are blessed to have a father like that. Those kids are blessed to have a mother like that. That's who he's looking for. People who are raising children who are children of God and who are raising children with love. And then again, when we get down here to the list of things for the deacons, not indulging in much wine, again, able to control themselves, and not pursuing dishonest gain. There's that money thing again. They must keep hold of the deep truths of the faith with a clear conscience. He's looking for people to lead who are following. And he's saying they must be tested. We will be tested, and we will be tested with time, for sure. And so he's looking for people who have shown themselves to have a solid foundation and a solid faith to help all of the rest of us to do the same. And then the verse down here about women must be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers. He comes in there, and obviously that's a stereotype, but one that sometimes gets there for a reason, is not to be gossipers. Malicious talkers, though, is a great way to say that is people who talk to hurt. Now, I think when he says talking, if he had had the Internet, he would have said people who send down emails that hurt, emails that they don't know to be true, but someone told them they were true. Brothers and sisters, that is still gossip. And it's also bearing false witness, and it is sin. And again, to wrap this up, go back through this list and think about it. These are the qualifications for leaders because they are the qualifications for maturity. What's the next step for us along the path of maturity? With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. If you have any questions, feel free to leave an email at hostedbiblestudypodcast.com or comment at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x. And as always, thanks so much for listening. This is Perseus Poku, host of the Sound Reasoning Ministry podcast. Learn how to share and defend your faith by listening to us weekly. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.